0: Another week, another Down to Brown. Welcome back. So I have a few words for you if you can guess what they mean. Basha, moli, Ingraji, Zuban. What do those all have in common? They have their definition in common. In English, they all translate to language. That is exactly what we're talking about today. But that's just the start of it. So let me backtrack a little bit. Today, I'm talking to Reena Bansali, who started a company called Hindi by Reena, which helps kids learn Hindi and makes it more accessible in a conversational manner. Her opinion is that by having conversations in your language, you're able to connect with the community that you're in and trying to get to know better in a way that takes the pressure off having to learn the script from the get go and such. She is someone who's lived in both India and the US, and she kind of gets it after working in uh, companies that also cater content towards children like Disney, Barbie, Hot Wheels, et cetera. Where I met Rena was on Instagram DM. So, not just her romance, but DM has helped many a friendships blossom in my life. And Rena reached out basically with the most thoughtful Hey, what you're doing with Founder Brown is exactly what I'm trying to do with my Hindi by Rena organization and products and services. And the more we got talking, we realized we had quite a bit in common. Both of us were born in the US, but spent a lot of our childhood growing up in India for. In, including school. We relied on Bollywood for a portion of our Hindi language learning. We both are in communications as a courier and we both have partners that are either Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox, which can be similar um, from a religious perspective. That being said, our conversation evolved into something greater. We start by talking about how language can be just such an approachable way to connect with your culture and your community. There's no affiliation there. It's just a united way, no matter what religion you are, what gender you are, et cetera. You can reach someone else by speaking a language. We then transition into our respective journeys of finding and choosing our partners and having those really tough conversations about what was most important to each person in the relationship, despite coming from different backgrounds, what we had in common, and then what was also very different. I think sometimes it can be interesting when we have conversations about some quote, is it easier to be with someone of the same community or someone different? And so we kind of tease that answer out and what it meant for us personally. And lastly, we talk about language versus communication and how the art of being vulnerable and being open without ego in communicating is so important, especially as we navigate some inter-family and personal relationships within our community. So we have a very interesting conversation ahead. I hope that you'll check out Hindi by Rina. She has services for both adults and children. Um, And also follow Down to Brown Underdash because we're trying to build that community of warriors teasing out the stigmas of South Asian stigma and American assimilation. So without further ado, Rina and Rao. Hi, Rena Vansali. Welcome to Down to Brown. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And thank you for reaching out. I felt like it was such a cosmic connection situation when you reached out. We got to chatting. I was so fascinated by your story and what the work you're doing. And it felt like we had so much in common. So thank you for reaching out, too. Yes,
1: absolutely. Like, I saw your, your
0: things on, I think, like
1: product of culture, I think it was. And I remember thinking like this person is exactly what I'm trying to talk to talk about and our backgrounds are so similar. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so glad you responded.
0: (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And I think this is what I love about the time we're in is that there's just so much momentum going on Clearly, like even when I started down to Brown, I was like, well, people like think, you know, we don't need this, Lahari, like, get out of here. But I'm realizing how much it's not just, you know, obviously us. Like, there's so many other women who are also creating this kind of conversation about like this tension that we have between our identities and kind of where we are now from the backward backgrounds we have. So um, I'm just so excited to see how you're specifically addressing it. Um, I'd love to learn more. So tell us more about. Hindi by Rena. What is it? Why did you start it? Yes. Um. So,
1: like, I kind of had the same experience where I feel like I'm part of two worlds. I was born in the U.S. I moved to India when I was eight years old, and I was raised there. And then I came back to the U.S. So there's this weird experience of feeling like I was kind of very Indian, but mm-hmm. I lived in America, and I have this American accent, which <laughs> kind of yeah. didn't go away. Um. And so people assume that I was uh, like an American Indian, which is totally fine. Um, but it, it also got me to start thinking about these questions of like, um, you know, what makes me Indian? What parts of my culture do I want to hold on to? Mm-hmm. And I realize a lot of people like you, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to your podcast feel like they um, need a sort of bridge to their culture. Right. And I feel like, and I feel like um, language for me has always been that it's unbiased, it doesn't have sort of like a very specific regional twist to it. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, Hindi is the third most spoken language in the world. And what's happening is, is that as Indian, Indians, Pakistanis, people from the subcontinent are moving overseas, they're unable to, um, I mean, they, they just assimilate so well. And um, language kind of becomes secondary and yeah. there are no resources for language. And it's kind of the best way I see to connect to culture. So so I've created Hindi by Rina, which is a, um, a language brand that teaches kids Hindi and Urdu. Um, so I focus on conversational Hindi, which is, you know, the same as Urdu. And I have a subscription service, which I just launched, which is 70 plus videos of me actually teaching the language, but mm-hmm. also giving kids an opportunity to be immersed in the language. So it's kind of that two pronged technique, which leads to fluency, which I think is really, really important. Because you know how you learn language and in- high school and college. Yeah. And, yeah. You kind of learn the language academically, but you don't really immerse yourself in it.
0: Totally. I completely agree. <laughs> I think it's so important to immerse yourself. And I think that's where it depends on how your upbringing goes, whether you speak it more in your household or maybe with your you know, relatives. Um, and if you don't, then, you know, it's not necessarily something that's on your parents. They're probably trying to also assimilate and they're you just kind of to your point, like you have to make a choice, like what can I keep on to and like make work right now and bring, even though we're in the States. Um, but I, I certainly like feel like in high school, like those like videos that we'd watch and everything and like the the practice that we had, even then people were like, you know, I need to go study abroad in that country, like in Spain or France to learn, you know, like and practice, my Spanish or French. Right. And so exactly. we don't have that sometimes. And even as much as we love our culture, we might not be able to even go to our South Asian, you know, countries as often as we want to. So then does that make us less South Asian? Right. <laughs> like, I know. So, um, you know, I, I, how was your relationship with language growing up, you know, speaking of kind of how we're exposed to it? Like, what did you speak at home? Yeah. My
1: parents were really, really strict about in the U S when I was here, um, they were strict about only speaking Hindi at home. So we had a good understanding and, and pretty good exposure to it, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that people have trouble with as we go on. Right. It's like the second, third generations and, and um you know, my peers, my cousins and family, friends and stuff are just more comfortable in English. And so this is this is the reason why it's like a little bit harder. But my parents, yes, born, and raised in India, 100 percent Hindi at home. And then when I moved to India, it just skyrocketed. Right.
0: Yeah, I know. I think this is so cool that we have this in common where we did spend a period of our childhood in India yeah. um, after starting in the U.S. I moved for second and third grade and um, I was like homeschooled for the rest of second grade. And then I went to school at a public school in for third grade. And I remember just being amazed at how many languages they did throw at you. <laughs> yes. It was like, you know, it. I feel like that's one cool thing about the Indian system is like you learn all the sciences at once. You don't <laughs> yes. go like, oh, how about you start with chemistry then we get they're yeah. like no you're taking biochem physics at the same time you're taking hindi english Telugu, and some kind of elected language like spanish or french, or french yeah. um yeah it's psycho But it was great exposure. And I feel like when I came back to the States, I started to use Bollywood as my teacher. So even though Bollywood, like, so problematic, but sometimes, like, you know, just being able to memorize the songs and sing the subtitles, you learn so much about the language. Yes. But if your videos can substitute, you know, use that and not have to show, you know women in the cold and their saris in the snow <laughs> dancing for men. Like, I feel like I'd much prefer a video like yours to learn it. That's
1: great. That is exactly what I was thinking. So a lot of the content that I have the immersion content is what I call it is basically um appropriate content for kids. That's, yes. that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the main thing where I'm like, okay, we got to get a little bit more appropriate, but it's also language that's approachable. So it's not like I'm speaking like really formal language to teach, you know, I'm talking like mm-hmm. people would,
0: normally talk and which is the more realistic kind of hindi that you would hear when you're talking to relatives you know exactly yeah i know and that's so important because you want to be able to connect to your culture in that way and language i think that's the one bummer is if you can't master the one that you want to it can sometimes exclude you from conversation and therefore the experience of you know, what your family is going through. So true. So true. Yeah. And what you said about choice really resonated for me because I think that's something that you and I connected on when we initially kind of did our um, let's meet call of, you know, when the older we get, we start to realize, and of course, naturally, like people individuate, they start to see, okay, now my parents made the decisions for me. It slowly became shared. And now it's just me making choices. And that really comes into play, I feel like, when you start to look at your future partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is where I'm trying to go with choice. So first to set the stage, how did you meet your current partner? What's his background?
1: My, yeah, my current partner is Greek American. And it's funny because like we have the same sort of thing where it's like, you know, you're choosing your culture and like we're, you know, our Indian identities or our Pakistani identities are very intact. Right. Greek people mm-hmm. are exactly the same. So he has showed me that like he's very Greek and um I'm very Indian and being together is like, um, we kind of have to pick and choose what parts <laughs> yeah. of which culture we're going to incorporate in our family. Yeah. So we met through, um, I came out to LA for grad school and he was a classmate of mine's roommate. So he was just in my group of friends and, you know, we started dating casually and then it got a little bit more serious. And then we had like the Hey-o. real, right. <laughs> yeah. We had a real conversation where we're like, I'm like, you know, uh um, this is going to be a real conversation with my parents. So I can't just say that I'm dating you. Like we have to be very serious before I talk to them about it. So um, yeah, it, 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 I think within like three years, we kind of knew that we wanted to get serious and get married. And um, the moment I told my parents, like six months later, we were engaged.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know. Once you tell your parents, it gets kind of expedited. (laughs) Yeah. It moves so fast. Yeah. 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 But I think, and I, I think what you described, is something that a lot of us can relate to where we have to sort of um, vet the person before. And like, even though everyone does that, I think with South Asians, like there's a little bit more pressure of like, once I introduce them to my parents, maybe like it has to also be meaningful. So there's a little bit more of a trial run and like making sure you're really good to go before you introduce them because I remember once like I broke up with my ex in college and um, my dad was like, I, "I forget like, you know, even like marriage, but he was like, you know, I can't even get over this Lahari, I'm emotionally <laughs> scarred. I don't know if I'm ready for you to date again. Like I need yeah. some time. So um, it can be something more, I guess, maybe with gravity. I don't know why, it, it just feels a little bit more serious.
1: Yeah, so when we started to get serious and really we considering marriage, the biggest question on both sides from my parents and his parents was how are you going to keep the Indian culture alive in your marriage? And how are you going to keep um, the Greek culture alive in your marriage? So it's funny that you were saying Mm. that about the two cultures, um, you know, kind of
0: picking between it. It's the same way in an interracial marriage as well. Right. And it's, it's almost like you have now like four plus identities, right? Like you have the American that you've experienced as a South Asian. He has the American that he's experienced as a Greek individual. And then you've got the Greek and South Asian. So like you blend it all together and it's just this hodgepodge. And I think that's where like, you're again, like that term of choice resonates with me so much because you do have to really choose through communication and assessing your values, like what's most important to you. So what was most important to you and your partner? Um, when you were thinking about like, Hey, like this is even just let's stop at the culture of like between you as a couple before marriage.
1: Yeah. Actually, I wonder if it was even different before marriage, uh, after marriage, but, um, before marriage, it was always language for me. Like to me, Mm -hmm. language is the one thing that I picked because I'm like, you know, you could talk to everybody in my family. There's going to be like, you know, that whole feeling left out sort of thing with the one yeah. interracial. Because I don't have other people in my family who've married people outside of the culture. So mm-hmm. there would be a whole group of Indian people. And then there would have been him. And I was afraid that he'd be sitting in the corner not understanding mm. anything. So to me, language was always the thing. And um, I actually got one of those. Do you know you get those like Google, uh, like, like. Two years ago, you were doing this. Five years ago, you were doing this. Like, there's like memories. Yeah. Yeah. I just got one of those on my thing where it was like us celebrating our second anniversary, a dating anniversary. And, as a present at that dinner, he gave me like, he literally like printed out like a receipt for his Rosetta stone. Oh my gosh. That's so cute. Is that so sweet? So he's like, I'm going to learn Hindi for you. And so he bought a Rosetta stone and that was like what he did. Wow. And this is like before Hindi by Irina really got into like adult class and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, like Rosetta stone was such a savior for us. Um, so he, he learned Hindi and he was able to converse with my family. And that was really important to me. For him, on the Greek side, it was always that you have to, in order to get married to a Greek Orthodox, you have to convert. Mm. And so that was his one thing. He's like, if we do get married, we're you're going to have to convert. So to Greek Orthodoxy.
0: Yeah. I also love that you both kind of identified like what's most important to me and the fact that it wasn't even there, I just appreciate that he went out of his way without you having to tell him and like do that, you know, and show up for you. Yeah. Um, and so how did you feel about the religious piece? That was, it took me a while.
1: It, it was like when I first, um, when he first kind of brought it up with me, I think we were early in our relationship and I didn't really know what Greek Orthodoxy was. I mean, growing up in India, like there are Christians, of course, but like they're, um, um, there's just so many different kinds and and you don't know the difference. And like, you know, it's just like not understanding yeah. the nuance of something that's different from you. Um, but then I, you know, I, I started to attend church with him and I realized that like, you know, this is, it's a lot of the same, the same stuff. Like they, yes. Right. Like every religion says the same stuff. And um, so I kind of got warmed up to the idea as I started to date him more, as I started to understand it a little bit more. But yeah, there was a period where I was like, We can't, I can't do that. That's terrible. No, that's that sounds like that's like taking away my identity. But yeah. but it wasn't the case, and I did convert and um it's totally fine. Like honestly, like in these hard times, like COVID and all this, like I'm so glad to have different kinds of spiritual things that I can pull from. Like, yes, the Greek Orthodox. The I grew up Jain. so like the Jain yeah. and the Hindu, of course. Like just having that like influence over India and then I- in general, like yeah, there's thing. There's no harm in it.
0: Absolutely, I think that's really beautiful and more and more, I feel like that's what is a bummer when people don't see the similarity and get really extreme about their identities. Because um, like, for example, like we, you and I talked about like my partner is Russian and um, even like moved when he was three and a half. So there's a lot of that connection there, not just uh, born in uh, the States. Um, But, you know, it really kind of became an interesting point of like, similarly, when we were making that choice and, Actually, from the get go, like on our third date, I remember by then I had kind of felt like, OK, when I'm dating people who are not brown, um, I just wonder how they see my culture, whether they see me as a serious partner or some venture into like an experience. of. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Unfortunately, I had a few experiences where I was like, is this because of me or because you're into like the like exotic Indian factor? So um, we, I asked him on our third date, like, hey, like, are you ready to seriously date? potentially marry a brown woman like what is that how does that sound to you nice and he was really taken aback because it was like our third date we had just watched (laughs) Black Panther and he's like the fuck um but he was super you know honestly like I thought he would respond that way he was very nice about it and talk to me about what that meant. Um, he was like, honestly, my biggest concern was I thought you were going to move to London or something because you keep talking about like how that's your dream. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. So anyway, fast forward, we're t- having more serious conversations. And, uh, you know, you start to see what's really important to that person. To him, it was yeah. community more than religion or um, language, for example. For me, it is more family. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think it, it becomes really... Beautiful to see how you can adopt that into yourself, and you end up finding a lot of commonalities. Actually, yes. like I was like, Yeah, Indians, we can relate to community 100%, right? Like, and he's like, vice versa, yeah. family is so important in Russian culture, yes. And how many relatives of yours have said,
1: Oh, Russians are just like Indians because they have family values, it's like, every- Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> My dad's first response was like. Russians have really long last names. Yeah, and he's like they're very similar. There's an interesting partnership between Russia and India at times. It was like, yeah, I guess so, Dad. Um, but yeah, that was definitely the case in, um, for us too. But um, for I feel like Greek Orthodox and Russian Orthodox also have a lot in common.
1: I think they're very, very similar because I mean, I don't know if I should be talking about this on air, but I think my I think my husband's like uncle actually like decided to start a Russian Orthodox. Like, like, I think it's somewhat um, interchangeable. The only difference I think is the language from what I
0: gather. Totally. Even with like their Easter celebration and stuff. I remember going to like midnight mass with him. Yes. Yeah, yeah and I was like, this is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, and do they do the candle thing where like they like light candles? I think so. Throughout? Yeah, I couldn't see as much because we were like at the very back. Yeah. Um, but it was so like it was literally lit like at midnight in that church. It's so pretty. Yeah, that's yeah. So they are very, very
1: similar. And then just seeing the similarities between the cultures in general is so so much more. And I feel like I say this to like some of my family members and I'm like, "Oh, Greeks and Indians are just the same because of this and because of this." And they kind of like are like rolling their eyes at me because I say it so much. But Yeah. But you're right. Like you see commonalities
0: um beyond anything you could have imagined. So I know we're talking about unity across different cultures, but at the same time, I know it can be challenging. Like we're talking about the positives and of course, when you have the right partner, it becomes easier, those conversations that are so tough about our backgrounds. But did you ever wonder at any point, like, man, it would just be easier if I was with someone South Asian? That is so funny. So I truly,
1: truly do believe, and this is cheesy, but I do believe that I found the right person for me because there are some um, limiting aspects of being South Asian and being an entrepreneur, for example, and like kind of the responsibilities that come with family when you're, especially I think, um, a part of the cultures that I've been around, there were some limiting aspects that like kind of didn't jive with how I saw my future. And I feel like being with someone who wasn't South Asian helped me in that. But that being said, to answer your question, um, there are certain moments where it's like, um, I I think, I think he and I have had this discussion where it's like, we're not, okay, I'm not correct. And this is not something I actually think, but there is this thought process where if I was with a South Asian person, the next generation would be more Indian, be more connected mm-hmm. to being Indian. Um, if he was with a Greek person, the next generation would be more connected to being Greek. Our yeah. worry, the only worry that we've had as a couple is that will our child feel a little bit more confused because mm. they're half one and half the other? And I just get, I get so upset with people. Um, even within our own, and I'm sure we've touched, you've touched upon this in other episodes where it's like, that's not the right way to be Indian. Like people choose, like, do you know how people kind of exclude other people? They're like, Oh, and this, I, I am literally have dedicated my life to teaching Hindi, but I get so angry when people are like, can you believe it? She doesn't even speak any Hindi. She can't even like that kind of stuff. That kind of shaming is, it it makes me so upset. And I can see in the future as like having a mixed race child, how that could possibly play into their identity and their sense of my fears insecurity. And so that's the only thing where it's like, if I was with a South Asian person, would I have my fears? I don't want to think that that child would have been
0: more secure than mine, my future child. So much of what you said resonated, but two things for me stood out. One is this concept of there's one way to culture and like you should be doing it this way and you're yeah. not the only person i've talked to about this i think a lot of us forget south asian but just any multiple identities feel like i should be this way if i am this but if i'm not can i still claim that Mm -hmm. And I think it's pretty, um, we need to examine ourselves when we say that to people or if other people say that to us, I want to be like, do you really want to like sit with that? Because (laughs) do you really think that's what makes me South Asian is like knowing the language? Sometimes you might not know the language, but you might be more that than anyone else. Right. Like, for example, my sister grew up from seventh grade onwards to 12th grade in Hyderabad. Mm -hmm. Her Telugu, she's not super confident and she understands it. But she like, you know, we kind of tease her when she speaks it. Um, But she is more Indian or Telugu than a lot of the people I know, like even the way she thinks about social structures, um, how she conducts herself. It's very influenced by her are bringing more so than people who have, you know, grown up here, but speak the language. So there's Mm -hmm. really no like, you know, it's not something up for people to judge. But the other piece is you reminded me of uh, my conversation with Rashonda Warren, who is from um, the episode on the Blindian Life. And she talks about how it was really hard for her to belong in either the feel that belongingness in the black community and Indian community being both. Um, And how Indians would say you're not this enough or they would talk down to her like, do you know Diwali? And she's like, yeah, I know Diwali, (laughs) you know, so um, it's more about that perception. But what gives me hope is that there are more and more people who are going to be like this. You know, when our kids grow up, yeah, there's going to be such an explosion and permutations of, you know, identities. that I hope that this is something that like this multiracial concept becomes much more larger. I
1: really, really hope so. And it's
0: so true. It's like, what is the
1: definition of culture? There's like a million definitions of culture. Yeah. I have a language business because I think if language is your path, then here are the tools I can give you. If your path is something else, if it's religion, if it's, you know, um, culture, like you were saying about your sister, that is just as legitimate. It's so true. And I do really hope that like, you know, you will have future children who will play with my children, I hope. (laughs) And and they will all kind of have this mixed identity that they're proud of. And it's okay to be multiple things. Um, But it's hard going off of what you're saying about the black and Indian guests that you had. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. hard currently because all Indians in India are, you know,
0: usually one race. Yeah. Considered one race. Exactly. Exactly. And then we, I've talked about this before, too, is like we but we further divide within that race, too. Right. So like it it just becomes really complex. Like if you're a North Indian, South Indian, like the, that's the easiest one I can think of. Right. Yeah. But depending on your religion. So it can get really complex. And I think the more we can, again, focus on there's just so much we have in common within South Asia, but then also across cultures um it's just beautiful like i i really i remember when i um even now like i adore my partner he understands the complexities of indian families i think that you know sometimes we can be very complex and especially even in my own journey i'm trying to process like there's a lot of things that are not you know normal maybe in american society mm-hmm. considered right normal in american's eyes or it might be more, there, there might be some trauma there. And, Mm -hmm. um, he really understands it like in a way that I've never had to explain it to him. Like, Hey, you know, white partner, like this is what, (laughs) like he gets it. Like the Russian aspect, he's like, there's so much of this in Russian culture too. Like, I get it. Like you don't even have to explain it. Um, and in fact, he's actually the one who pushes me to think more collectivist at times, um, than, you know, my individualist American upbringing.
1: (laughs) interesting. Awesome. And now if you'd ask like a very traditional, like, you know, person, they would say, oh no, because that person is not Indian and they're very individualistic
0: yeah. and that's not the case anymore. You know? Exactly. You really have to give people a chance. And I do appreciate that about our generation of, you know, and you know, obviously it's not just exclusive to us, but people seeing that it's not just Your paperwork that determines whether you're a good partner, it's how you show up for the conversations, your compatibility, the values, et cetera. Right. And we can find them in the most surprising person that we didn't expect to.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it can be a great match and it's okay. Like, and I think, I think a lot of my family has also seen that with me and my husband. They're like, oh, well, this is a good match. And exactly. Yeah. That's what matters.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I know you're, um, you know, thinking about like the future too. We've talked about, uh, as couples, how we talk about it, you know, in our bubble of two, but I am like a diehard concept of how this is how, you know, I, this is how I did it growing up, but this is how I want to do it in the future. This is something that, um, my therapist drilled into me. Like, you know, you can always say even like, she's like, call your parents by their name, not like mom or dad so that you separate that identity and connection too, of like, this is how Bob did it. For example, my dad's name is not Bob, but <laughs> um, you know, how do I wanna do it? So, you know, especially as you think about, I mean, you're pregnant, so congratulations. Thank you're about you. to pop. Um, <laughs> do you remember a specific example where you felt that tension of your past and then thought about, okay, well, how do I wanna do this in the future? Especially as you think about your, you know, how you're gonna raise your children.
1: With my family,
0: I feel like, um, in terms of actual
1: parenting, I think I, I think that they did a, like a, a pr- like we all like came out very well, and I feel like I feel like we had good communication with each other. The only thing that I worry about is that in India and in, in our extended family, we have a lot of these. Um, communication issues with our larger family mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of these conflicts that arise so like just to get into a little bit of the specifics without going too much into detail my um family had a tip with a very very close relative and you know they no longer communicate like it's been like 10, 12 years, and we've just lost complete contact, right? And it's just, um, it was such a sad loss for the children who were involved and like the extended people who weren't actually a part of the actual conflict. And I just feel like um, I never want that to happen with me and my siblings or me and my like relatives who I'm so close to. And so that's something that I I never wanna get into. I never wanna get into that whole ego play um, to get overly, you know, you know, miffed about money issues and all that sort of thing, because at the end of the day, like your relationships matter the most and, um, and being able to communicate with each other is so important. Like, you know, having real emotional conversations and allowing yourself to get vulnerable is something Mm -hmm. that I think lacks a little bit in our, um, in our culture. And, 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 I don't think it's specific to to South Asian culture. I think it's, it's, it's yeah, a lot of cultures of this. Yeah. And then I think we've, we've done a good job. Like, you know, we go to therapy now, we have like all these amazing like resources in America to learn how, like Brene Brown, right? You learn how wow. to get vulnerable. And I feel like that's so important. And I'm gonna try and stay vulnerable with my family so that something like that never happens. Cause it's it's traumatic, you know?
0: Yeah, like what is vulnerability, right? <laughs> like yeah. uh growing up, I was like, I don't understand. And um is I'm so like, thank you for sharing that because I think it is actually very common in our cultures to see that type of missed opportunity where they, it's just a matter of this is what, you know, like really is bothering me and like using, you know, we're actually ironically talking about language, right. But and language is the fun, (laughs) you know, the way we communicate. So like going to the foundation of all of this is communication and just that type of communication doesn't exist at times. And it's just sad to see how relationships are lost because of it. yeah, Um, Because people can't be to your point vulnerable, which Brene Brown is exactly where my mind went. And it just goes to show you, this isn't an issue just in South Asian culture. Like, you know, she's American. She's talking to America about this. Mm-hmm. It's, it plagues us all, especially with masculine culture, right? Like toxic masculinity of like not apologizing or really getting into the, like tapping into your feelings. And that can really block also yeah. um, in many cultures. And I I'm almost sometimes sad because I've seen this happen to a side of the family as well. And, um, with my like, you know, aunts and uncles and I just feel like, you know, what if that happens to my sister and I, you know, I've always been mm-hmm. kind of grown like raised in this type of oh, that might happen, you know, at one point where you just kind of like have this irreparable or, you know, ego block and clash and you just never talk again or you can't trust your siblings. And it feels like such a sad way because I'm like, I can't think of anyone who gives me more joy than my sister. And I, you know, like you think of like movies you've grown up with, like Cubby Cushy Cubby Gum. That's like the best example I think of like What the fuck! This problem was invented (laughs) all together by these two guys who just couldn't frickin' talk about it, and then they just don't talk for years. Other people suffer, and then somehow at the end they like are just like, "Yeah, I'm sorry." why didn't you talk to me sooner? And I'm like, we watched three hours of a movie about someone who just couldn't have a conversation for three minutes. (laughs) That's literally it. The the resolution is so fast
1: at the end of that movie. Like I just rewatched it. And that's so funny you say that because he just goes, why didn't you say something? No, you should have said something. Actually, I should have said something. And
0: that was it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, wait, that's, movie like you (laughs) could take us on this whole journey there's no twist there's no it's just egos cool um so
1: so that's so true it's funny that you you say that about your sister that's my biggest fear too with my siblings like they're like my best friends I'm so close to my siblings yeah and um to allow something like like you know an argument or whatever but it's true that we're raised like there's that thing that they talk about right where it's patterns Mm-hmm. So if, you, yes. if, if you're not intentional about your life and your decisions, sometimes you can fall into patterns that you feel are just normal. So if you mm-hmm. feel like your parents have had these arguments with their, you know, close mm-hmm. family members, you know, you could follow in that pattern just if you're living life, you know, without actually examining every choice that you make. And so it's so important to break that pattern and to make sure that that is not something that we allow in our lives. It's, it's way too common. I mean, how many family members do we, I, I, I know out of all my close friends from Delhi, maybe, um, like 80% of them all have the same story in
0: their families. Yeah. Same here. And I I just, it's, it happens so much. I I do understand when it happens where this is something that again, is a little bit more American in concept, but I appreciate it is if someone is being toxic in your life and even like after trying for resolution, it doesn't work out, then it's okay to quote, go separate ways. And, you know, I, I know it's painful because it's family, but you don't have to be, you know, just because it's family doesn't mean you have to keep someone in your life. That's not, It was toxic for you. Yeah, But at the same time, I see your point where it's like, you know, if it's just a misunderstanding like that or something that like, you know, you do want to save the relationship, but you're just stopping yourself because of ego and pride or whatever that is, then it's just, yeah, it's sad. I don't know. It's your loss too. Right. And I think that's where like that modeling can happen. And yeah, we've had to interrupt or break that cycle as like the future generation. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. You're so right. Mm hmm. I was just saying that the the first example that you gave where it's if the person is toxic, you've examined the situation and you've decided after thought and all that, that this isn't a good relationship for you. And that's an examined decision, right? Whereas I don't feel like when things are ego um, based that they examine it. They just push that feeling aside and say, I don't want to deal
0: with it. I think it's so interesting that you brought that story up and I appreciate you doing that and sharing that because I think it really dials into this nuance between language and communication. Like we started off by talking about language, which is a tool we use to communicate. Um, and w- speaking of what makes your, you really South Asian, right? Like, I feel like for us, like we can use language all we want, but if we don't you uh, address some of these communication mishaps that happen sometimes in our culture, then there's really no way to fully realize that. Um, the foundational step for language. Um, yeah. And so it, it is really like, I think like getting at the root of the problem um, versus like, you know, just the celebration of your culture because you speak the language, your culture because you also maybe work on it and dive into those tougher, stickier situations and you hold on to that culture as well. Right. Yes. Accept it for what it is. Right. So why was like you know when you thought about it like especially as you think about your future daughter um why was mm-hmm. language so important to you for her for me
1: language is uh, is the most unbiased um easy entryway into culture mm-hmm. it is it is one of those things where like you learn the language and then you may be able to attend, a wedding <laughs> yeah and see you know the culture at the wedding um you learn the language and maybe you learn um you watch more Indian movies which you know problematic as they can be they do have you know kind of a, a, they showcase how certain families work and you kind of see how how Indian culture can have its downs and ups and all that um, yeah. then you get like a in, foray into uh, music you can get a foray into travel I mean mm-hmm. I just like language is really a bridge like it truly is such a good bridge that is um uh inclusive
0: yeah absolutely and especially like you know when you take your daughter to india or you know a country in south asia like maybe she can use her language and be able to experience it a little bit differently or more intimately um, I know for sure. Sometimes, like when I go to India, like my I love being able to connect using Telugu. Mm-hmm. But then at times, like because of my accent being a little more American, like it's detectable to anyone locally. Uh, my mom will be like, "Let me do the talking because they'll know you're American." <laughs> and, like charge you up the wazoo, and I'm like, the "Oh man. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> so you feel like very like disarmed suddenly. Um, so, yeah, I think it can be very powerful to feel in connection with your language as well um, to communicate and really feel your culture and in a more immersive way, to your point.
1: Yeah, Also understanding, like it's not only just the speaking, there's like so many aspects to language, right? There's the understanding, there's the speaking. Um, And, and when you do uh, the, just the understanding aspect of it, people can speak around you and you get this, this intangible understanding of how people think and how, Yeah. yeah, the, the, place functions. And then sometimes maybe you can identify that within yourself and, and know that maybe that's why your parents raise you in a certain way. It's just interesting how how there's so much intangible when it comes to understanding a language, a culture.
0: Absolutely. And language helps you. Definitely. So you started Hindi by And I know when we start something, you know, we have this mission and you certainly are very I committed to this mission. and I admire you for it. The more we start to actually put it in practice, though, we might have some insights or learnings like, oh, this worked. This did not work. Um, so how has that been, that journey with working with kids, especially as you see the kids consume your content and learn? What are some of the insights you had about the mission of Hindi by with kids connecting to their culture via language?
1: That That's such a good question. I've been teaching kids for about 10 years now, so it's been a long time, and I realize that all these conversations that we're having, me and you, are things that they themselves also experience but can't communicate in the same way, right? This this split of identity, this trying to be like, in soccer, you know... W- with kids their age maybe being the only Indian kid and then coming home mm-hmm. and learning Hindi you know um, they have this split in their lives too and we have to be so empathetic to that and that's right. why yeah and, and they're kids so they can't communicate like look at us using big words and like expressing ourselves these poor children <laughs> you know what I mean like these poor yeah. children can't say any of that but they're feeling it every day and they're frustrated by it so for me it's it was so interesting to see that like I I started off teaching a little bit more traditionally, like, you know, you would teach the script and then you would be like, kah, kah, kah. and then they would learn a few words and you realize this means nothing to these kids. Yeah, This means nothing. They literally stare at me and um, they're repeating back syllables, <laughs> <laughs> literally repeating back syllables. So I started to um, make it more immersive and make it make it make sense for today's child like a modern child and that's where my experience at barbie and disney really helped me like i could actually see that these kids like they needed something to be cool they need something to be um interesting they need something to be relevant to their actual lives so that's why yeah. like i mean case in point the biggest the biggest thing is i don't teach the script until later and i mm-hmm. actually get grief about that a lot of people are like how can you not teach the script that's how you traditionally teach it but i'm like listen i Want this to be relevant? You mean the script by like characters? Oh yeah, that's what I mean. The Hindi characters. The yeah. Hindi characters, because I'm like, it's not relevant to these children. These children will never see this script. These children, it'll alienate them. To be completely mm-hmm. honest, and that's the that's the thing. It's like Hindi. If you're going to teach them something cultural, it has to be something relevant. So I so. Um, that's one thing that I do is like I don't teach script until later. But I also incorporate things. like I incorporate like Mickey Mouse and I incorporate like the fact that they're playing Minecraft, and, like things like that into the lessons so that they feel connected. It's just, to me, it's always about being empathetic to these kids who are not living the same lives as the, the Indian kids in India who are learning Hindi. They're completely different kids, you know, and they have different feelings.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's so poignant because you really do have to, I feel like you're really, truly trying to put yourself in the shoes of the kids to see what resonates. And to be honest, it's on uh, a lot of the times, like one of my best friends is a teacher. And when she talks Mm -hmm. about her class, like fifth graders, I'm like, well, it sounds like adults, to be honest, because (laughs) uh, even adults, they don't like boring content, like try to hit them with a message over just like a long post versus you turn it into an engaging tiktok right and people are like wow that's really interesting i learned something right um and so i think that's anyone needs to experience that and even your piece of like let's start conversationally i feel like is also really important um of course i'm not Mm -hmm. a language expert um so maybe someone will disagree but (laughs) i think it's really cool to understand kind of what you're talking about first and get comfortable with that find the connection between your day-to-day life Because you're right. Like, I feel like the overarching thing that really I took away was like, it can be, why should I care? Right. Like even I'm, my background is in communications and, you know, you and I have that in common in different, (laughs) like external, internal, but, um, we always ask, why should people give a shit about this? Like, right. Like there's so much out there. Kids are so, um, the attention span is low. So, why should I care about this language that no one, my friends aren't speaking at school? Like, I don't really have to, right? Like, I'm not going to use it when I go to my teacher. Yeah. Um, so, finding that relevance, I think, is really important, especially as we think about our own children. You know, that's something that worries me is like, even what if, forget the kids, like, what if I feel like, what's the point in really teaching this? Like, it's not like they're going to use it. Like, you know, just yeah. for me to have that satisfaction. Um, but, there probably will be a time where they'll be like, Hey, I wish I kind of knew this mom, (laughs) right? Like I I don't feel (laughs) like I'm as connected to my culture. So I don't know. It's stuff that I wonder. Yeah,
1: it's true. And also, um, You know, it doesn't have to be that everyone goes straight to fluency, right? It's like yeah, um, a a child who knows because I have I have a a book series too, and I'm not a shameless plug, but I also I'm trying to say that the book series is literally just words. You did, (laughs) (laughs) but those books are are just words. Like it's literally like bunny water you know, dude milk. Right. Mm -hmm. So basically these kids are, they just know the words. And if you want to stop there, that's okay too. Like if you just want your kid to know a few words here and there, that's okay too. But you'd be surprised at how much connection and excitement that gives to a child, like a child who then becomes an adult and then can say that, you know, to another Indian person and then have that connection. Like it's just, um, yeah, take it to whatever level you want. And, um, um, yeah, use it, use it as a tool to, to feel more, um, you know, in love with yourself and your
0: love the culture and all that. Absolutely. That's so interesting. You should say that. Cause it, um, reminded me of like my own, like, you know, I told you like with Bollywood learning that as a kid and I was like, well, this is a useless thing that I learned, but it ended up being so helpful because like, as I travel now through <laughs> India, it's a way that I don't feel like a tourist in my own country. Yeah. I took my um girlfriend who's white um to we both traveled throughout India um and a lot of the times I was seeing things through her eyes too as a tourist American. But there were times where I could then negotiate with the people there like I remember once there was a fisherman who definitely like knew we were American because my friend was a giveaway. <laughs> and he was like charging us like this crazy amount to just be able to like see the boat you know, as opposed to other people, the price was different. And I was arguing with him and I was like, you know, that's not fair. And like, I was able to do it because yeah. I knew him be, I knew how to like, and he was kind of a stubborn ass. So we just walked away. <laughs> um, but I was like, I can protect my friend. I can like, you know, talk to this person and be like, that's not fair. Wow. Um. So yeah, it's, it's amazing how those small experiences as a kid, though, like as a 27 year old, I was able to then communicate and use that learning.
1: Yes, that's so true. And you said an emotional word too. I'm impressed. Like, you know, words that are like, you know, um, that's not fair. That's like, yeah. your is hard in a different language. So that's really impressive. But you can, and Bollywood of course helped with that. I have no doubt. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many times? Like, I hey, oh <laughs> so, um, Yeah, for sure. So good. Um, yeah, all the dramatic lines stay. <laughs> um, but last but not least, Rina, I'd love to ask, you You know, like this has been such an enjoyable conversation to learn. You know, I, I learned so much about language and then the honestly, the pertinence it has to also communicating within our culture, you know, in a way that's more fluent and sympathetic, vulnerable, et cetera. So, Um, You know, as you think about yourself, too, like Down to Brown is a podcast that answers the question, what would life look like if we freed ourselves from these pressures of American assimilation, South Asian stigma to be our best, most authentic selves? So how do you think you're answering that question with Hindi by Rina?
1: Yeah, I guess I had to think about that one a little bit. But with Hindi by Rina, what I've done is. I've, I've provided multiple steps. So there's there's the books, which are very simple word books. And there's obviously the classes, the whole subscription program, which allows people to go as far as they want. So my point is, is like, I guess, I guess free yourself from, you know, the South Asian stigma is that you don't have to be fluent. You can take it to whatever level you want. You choose how to be South Asian. It's your Mm -hmm. choice how you're going to do that. So I definitely don't want to come across like I'm putting pressure on anybody to be a certain way. It's you
0: choose your South Asian identity and how far you want to take it. Wow. That was so powerful. I feel like if I could frame that in a quote and hang it up, I would really love that because I think that is so correct. We're really agents in our South Asian journey of when we're toggling these identities. And I love that leadership you have in that definition of it. So thank Thank you you. for the work that you're doing. Um, Finally, I I can't spare you from the chip chip round, which started (laughs) off as a rapid fire, but I feel like it always is like a little too much fun to follow up. So um, let's just do a fun question round. So I have five different questions. Um, Are you ready? Yes, I'm scared. (laughs) It's it's a good scare. Don't worry. <laughs> if you could automatically download a new language into your brain and uh-huh. instantly speak it fluently, which one would it be? Greek, for sure. Wow, yeah, that makes total sense. It's my um, husband. Shout- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she loves you, Hub. Um, <laughs> your strangest craving during pregnancy: black
1: olives. Whoa. And that too, the really not great ones from Subway.
0: It's <laughs> really weird. Riva so unique. <laughs> How do you self-care? Oh, I, I
1: always have, every time I have a bad day, I have like three things that I do. One, I take a long hot shower. Two, I either, I try to run, but I can't run because I'm so pregnant. I, I walk. Um, oh. And then the third thing is I, I meditate.
0: Wow, you have a really good routine.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's not like I do it all the time. This is my goal. Ideally, this is what I would do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A new experience your Greek Orthodox husband showed you during your relationship that changed your life.
1: I do have an answer to that. It's always mm-hmm. food, but good baklava. There is mm. lots of bad baklava out in the world and his family makes it like fresh and then they cut the nuts and then they, oh my gosh, at our wedding, my entire family stole the baklava. Like they basically finished it before <laughs> anybody else could get to it because it's the best thing you can imagine, like fresh.
0: That sounds amazing. I might need to hit you up with like vendors that I could like, you know, go to.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like really, legit yeah you have to be very greek specific yeah oh man yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay i uh, will need his help um it's december 2021 and spotify wrapped comes out what do you think will be your top most played song <laughs> this is so embarrassing
1: because <laughs> i literally listen to music like like i'm like an old auntie like i already like <laughs> with hindi by Reno, it's like slightly auntie already but um <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like uh it's probably either gonna be like Rahat Fateh Ali Khan's music.
0: Wow. Or
1: um or like motivational Indian music. So so when I listen to Indian music, this is not a surprise. When I listen to Indian music, it's all about the lyrics. Cause like to yeah. me the lyrics mean so much. And I like really delve it can be into so it.
0: beautiful too.
1: Yeah, and so motivational. I like motivational Hindi songs that have really good lyrics. So a lot of Rahat Fatali Khan stuff.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. So you're you're kind of like whatever reinforces you for your work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.